Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Garage Gym PT Podcast. Um, hope you guys are having a good morning. Wanted to uh, touch base with everyone this morning and just let everybody know that the Garage Gym PT Podcast has now moved into what is now called the Lab Collective, which is a combination of the Lab Sports Medicine Sports Performance and the Garage Gym PT Podcast. So if there's any confusion, be sure you go follow the link that we put up today. And... Uh, We'll see you guys over there. Yeah, and it's mainly just kind of a attempt to centralize everything and make sure that it's all in one clean spot for you guys. Mm -hmm. But today, what Dave and I are going to talk about, um, we're going to bring up CrossFit a little bit today. We're going to talk about CrossFit, uh, some of the methodology, some of the science behind it. Um, and just kind of talk about some of the maybe the the pros and cons of it all um dave i'll, I'll kind of let you lead it on i i i have my my 10 cents but it, yeah. it's kind of changed over the years you know, i'd say let's talk about the good that it does the before we do anything negative <clears throat> so not like a uh overview process great for people because it one gets barbells into people's hands two it practices intensity and exercise variation. And three, it provides you a sense of community. So none of these things can be held in isolation and they're, they're great as far as advancement. They do a hell of a job of changing people's uh, metrics whenever you go into like blood pressure, blood markers, and they, they, they change people's lives. So that, that can't be you know, overstated enough there. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is that you're actually doing something positive to put stress on your body and trying to progress it. And they do have their own metrics as far as like, you know, the girls, i.e. using Fran or Barbara or whatever you might use to like gauge your uh, performance here, as well as like various one rep maxes in that. And they do a good job at laying a, very very broad fitness base and you are good at everything but great at nothing that's very true that's a that's a great overview i also like to point out that you know i i think that it's it's a great way for people to kind of get back out into the community and uh kind of get themselves i guess out of their shell i know like when i first started crossfit um I mean, if you've met me, I'm pretty quiet. I usually don't talk unless I'm comfortable with you after a little bit. But CrossFit is just kind of interesting in the fact that, you know, if, if you're an adult and you liked being that athlete in high school, you liked being the athlete in college, and you liked that athlete training atmosphere where, like, you are training with your friends and you're getting stronger and you're getting better every day, CrossFit might be for you because it's just a nice community aspect where you can go into the gym, make friends, and you can get stronger at the same time. It's a nice combo. Yeah. When push comes to shove, I really can't think of a better way to shove fitness into an <laughs> hour and make it better for like addressing all energy systems. Correct. So there's, there's a ton of positives here. And of course, like the variance of coaching is high and depends on gym to gym. But when you find one that really works for you, it's, it's a pretty awesome relationship too. Mm -hmm. I agree. 
And then I think the other aspect of CrossFit that is wonderful, if you look at its definition, right, I think it's in the, the level one manual. Um, CrossFit is defined as, as constantly varied functional movements performed at relatively high intensity. Um, I think sometimes the the hit training, the, the, the movement patterns are, I don't want to say shied away from, but like most people don't know how to hit it. And it's a great way to educate people how to move and how to kind of keep the intensity in their training that maybe they've been lacking on their own. Um, sometimes people, what you'll see in general is people will go out and they'll do kind of more of like a bodybuilding type form of fitness, which isn't bad either. I mean, I'm not going to dog that. I actually like that as well. I think you need to have both. Um, but I think the fact that people are now incorporating that, that paradigm into their training of the high intensity, um, is sometimes lost in the nuance of just typical weight training. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I think Let's a lot see. of us we miss on just like a day-to-day -day basis that kind of that list cardio versus your high intensity stuff versus lactate training. So they do a very good job at again hitting all of your all of your energy systems to make you a more efficient athlete. And when mm -hmm. we kind of go back to that conversation of general physical preparedness and being able to do stuff when called upon, I mean mm -hmm. it's really hard to beat. Yeah. I remember first starting CrossFit. Um, well, I guess it technically, it, it wasn't really big back then. It would have been back in like 2000, man, maybe like 11, 12 ish. And, uh, there was just a time where it was just put up on main site. So you would get the workouts from there. And I remember I used to get really confused because we had, we had this book from Nebraska that had like specific, like how you did your programming and like that's what we would follow for like bench press squat and you'd hit these repetitions and you'd hit this type of um intensity or load and then all of a sudden crossfit came around it's like run 400 meters eight times and call it a day and i'm like this is kind of different yeah and i huh. really caught traction too with like the 300 movie yeah and even like dating back before that i can't call the guy's name but there was this thing that's called interval weight training to where you would do something like heavy then you would do oh. something metabolic you would rest and then you would repeat yeah what was and his then, name that's gonna drive me nuts and it's kind of derived out of that then i think obviously greg glassman started running this stuff out of gold's gym and he just noticed that like the more you varied it uh changed the intensities addressed all the energy systems people basically went from sick to unsick very quick yeah i mean there's there's been so many different success stories you'll see uh either with people you know making lifestyle changes not just physically but then also like in the kitchen which has been fantastic to see where you see like the weight loss journeys uh the battles with diabetes um right. sometimes it's even just like the weight loss and <laughs> battling diabetes yeah. Um, and they take stances against like Coke and big pharma and like all of these other things that are kind of, uh, popularized in society that are killing us. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're doing a good job at like holding the standard and holding the line and getting people back to fit. Yeah. It's nice to see the, the social paradigm of 
you know, the morbidly obese kind of rising. And now all of a sudden we have this counter movement where, and that's the thing, it's not like people are going to get shut out from it. We want this to be an all-inclusive group, an all-inclusive, uh, I guess, fitness regimen for people. And honestly, if you look back into like the, the 70s and 80s, what were they doing before they did any kind of like gym class? They were doing calisthenics. They were doing all these wonderful things. Bring that back. Bring that back. Yeah. And it was in the form of community too. Exactly. I, and I remember, I don't know if you had this day, but I remember growing up um, in Minster, we had uh, something called the big toy. And then a little bit closer towards the new elementary building, they had a, it was like a, an outdoor gymnastics uh, playground. So like you could do dips, you could do pull-ups. Um, they, they had so many different things that was, uh, man, when I was a kid, I was extremely challenging. Now I look at it, I'm like, if that was still there. That would be perfect. But man, that was, that's been gone for so long, but I wish they would bring more things like that uh, back into the fold. Yeah. They're, they're mm. few and far between anymore. Actually, I don't know if I was talking to you about this. There's a, so like, you know, just on the, the future, look out for any adults and who are going to have kids in the, in the near future, but there's a playground actually that you can buy that uh, has a dual function where you can have it as a squat rack, a dip set, pull-ups, and ring muscle-ups all in one playground set. And your kids can play. There's a slide. There's a, uh, oh, man, there's slides, swings, like you name it. They've got it. it. I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't even have kids yet. And I'm like, this this could be fun. I mean, assuming you're not doing like, you know, 315-pound split jerks while little Timmy is swimming or uh, swinging side to side next to you. Uh, I think that'd be fun. Lower the uh, barrier of resistance and just get it done. Exactly. Make it fun. I guess that's another positive too. Um, it can be done anywhere. Yeah. Now that like we're kind of tangenting into this, you know, it doesn't really have to be uh, formal to go reach a desired level of intensity i mean you can get stuff done with just your body weight and like one dumbbell mm -hmm. you can get stuff done at a track you can get stuff done in your garage i mean it kind of you know allows you to make the best of your current situation in that moment which is kind of a really cool thing when you when you think about it they don't mm -hmm. technically need racks or plates or any of that stuff and Kind of comes back to that time efficiency thing too. True. I guess let's kind of let's kind of cut through the middle and be like, hey, if you're gonna do this, what are some of the things that you want to like look at? What's some of the gray area? Mm -hmm. I think like the one of the biggest gray areas is definitely the fact that it's so varied from gym to gym, and it's based upon like your coaching experience. Whereas like you can step into one gym, have a great time, go into another one and then see something completely different. <laughs> and there's some stark contrast from coaching to ownership to programming to, you know, pretty much everything. Um, it's very highly varied. <laughs> yeah. There's no like set standard where like, like just for example, you step into, let's say, maybe this isn't a good example. 
you step into a planet fitness, each planet fitness is going to be the same, right? Same equipment, same areas, same staff, like set up everything. Whereas like, you're not necessarily going to be getting any coaching or anything like that, but like the standard is set throughout each and every one similar. Now like looking orange, orange theory might be a better way. Yeah. Thank you. Too. Yeah. Orange theory is probably a better, better example. Um, but like having the, the, this, I don't want to say the standard of coaching, but like there should be a standard of coaching. And I, I do like the way that the CrossFit like sets up their certifications with the L1 and L2. I just wish that it was more of an extensive training process as opposed to a weekend course. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's a very subjective degree, mm -hmm. right? So the same way that like you have mm -hmm. tons of area to operate with, you know, PT or, you know, medicine and you have suggested practice mm -hmm. patterns, the same thing kind of holds true when you get into strength and conditioning and the CrossFit community in the barrier mm -hmm. to get an L one's actually pretty low. So it's a weekend course and it's, that's it. So this person could be, I don't know, an electrician, they could be a teacher, they could be whatever, and they could all hold an L1 and be coaching in these gyms. True. And they could you be only have the, new as well. You're only going to have to shell out, I think it's $1,000. Sounds about right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 1000 thousand plus, depending on whether or not if you've <laughs> done it before in the past and you're renewing or if you're yeah and then depending on the country you live in can be as high as uh oh yeah one thousand one hundred fifty dollars and it's a lot higher in other countries so just keep that in mind yep do your research and find a place with good reviews and maybe somebody mm -hmm. that actually goes there that's like-minded yeah. And then that's, a, that's another good point, Dave. Um, you know, there, I, I've noticed that certain gyms will put emphasis into particular forms of training, whether if it's like a, like a boot camp, or if they're really big into the endurance training, or maybe they're really big into the Olympic weightlifting and the strongman. Some will have like a specialization, sometimes based off what the coach had previously done in like their past athletic career. Um, but then you'll find, you will find gyms that have like kind of everything kind of mixed in which is really nice and those are the gems to hold on to especially if the coaching is fantastic you have like the multiple specialists all in one gym oh that was fantastic yeah or they're merging with other clubs or they mm -hmm. do kind of have like a bodybuilding room or something of that nature that's very diverse if you find yourself in like a large industrial complex and they have you know, multiple things within their own facility, you're probably in a good spot. Agreed. Agreed. And then that, that actually, that could be a good segue there, Dave. Um, so like you brought up bodybuilding again. One thing that I think sometimes CrossFit programming does lack is isolation training to basically hone in on those areas of weakness that may be limiting the compound movements, let's say like um, the clean and jerk or um, even the snatch. Um, for example, you got really weak triceps. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of the movements will hit your triceps, but sometimes having that 
that isolation work and that progressive overload can also be a game changer for that last maybe five or 10 pounds into the overhead position. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess let's get some context to this. So like a, a class mm-hmm. setup's typically done as like a strength movement than a Metcon. And pretty much that's it. Cause that's, that's what you have time for in an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strength component. Well, it, completely varies it can Mm -hmm. be periodized it could be random it could be build to a heavy whatever it it just it depends which gym you go to Mm -hmm. but then the metcons where you get your intensity and this is where i think people have a very bad understanding of what a metcon does so when i when i look at what a metcon does it tests your fitness it doesn't build it so if you can view it from that context, it's a test and you either not pass fail, but like you get limited by something or you don't, and that should inform where you need to work. It's not mm-hmm. like you don't get better at CrossFit by doing just Metcons. Correct. So for example, if you get stuck and you can't do a strict handstand pushup, just as Lewis was alluding to here, and your triceps are a area of breakdown, you're not going to get stronger triceps by doing handstand push-ups in a Metcon. Thus needing the, the time outside of this class to do more to get better, which can also be a unhealthy cycle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess kind of at the overview, it definitely lacks accessory work. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff that you don't see behind the scenes that the athletes are doing in their second session is the stuff that allows them to look good on Instagram or perform well in their first session or whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. And that's where like getting into the programming wise aspect of it is it is constantly varied, which is is not bad. I think sometimes variation can be the key to growth and breaking plateaus. But when that variation is too frequent and you don't give yourself too much exposure to a specific stimulus, that's where I think sometimes it can miss the mark. Now, I have seen certain programs, so like training Think Tank, Hard Work Pays Off, um, Revival Strength Has, um, Persist, um, and Brute Strength Has theirs as well. And they each seem to be I don't want to say a step above your traditional or your your basic L1s programming, but they definitely go above and beyond in terms of uh, like supplying good information in regards to strength training. And they'll actually follow a specific type of periodization or like point in time in training to like hit for a competition. Um, they have good understandings of like, I'm not going to beat the crap out of you with a Metcon. The Metcon is kind of more of like a, a litmus test of is what I'm doing cardio wise and conditioning wise effective for how I need to implement into my movements. And then if you look at like some of the accessory movements, that's, that's another thing we should talk about is um, sometimes their accessory movements will also be geared towards whatever the overall strength target was for that day. So like, let's say they have, so like I've used brute strengths uh, programming in the past. um, And I, I absolutely loved it. It was a little bit too expensive for me at the time. Um, but like they would have a strength portion they would have like, or like a technical work for like gymnastics. And then we had different interval training that we would do. 
And then I would have accessories based off my individual weaknesses that I would supply from a testing week. Um, so that was kind of nice to have and kind of see because it's like, okay, we've gone from this. I mean, you and I have both been exposed to coaches at at a very basic like level of understanding and programming. And then the coaches who are well in advance and have been around the, you know, been around the block a few times. And there's a big difference between a seasoned coach and how he programs compared to, you know, the Joe Schmo just starting out. But I mean, I would I still wouldn't let that deter you from trying them. I would just say like, where's your trajectory for growth as a coach? And if they're just there for like the year, maybe don't go there. But kind of circling back to the accessories, um, I do think that this needs to be more of a target, but like it needs to be focused and not constantly varied, if that makes sense, Dave. Yeah, the biggest thing that you touched on there was, guys, this is a competitor's track. So mm -hmm. the, the only way that you're actually going to see this stuff is if you do get on the competitor's program. Mm -hmm. So once again, within that hour time frame, you know, you all you're going to get is that one strength component that a Metcon for the most part. Yeah, you know, some some gyms do have the optional accessory work afterwards. This once again is a a sign that you're in a good gym and that somebody is thinking about your health. Correct. Which Correct. I guess is a another good segue to uh, the injury risk and like injury risk uh, litigation here. So across across the board, um, guys, you can't. You need to view CrossFit as a sport. You're not viewing it as a exercise modality. Okay. So when compared to other sports, when you're trying to progress your, your numbers, when you're trying to get bigger, better, faster, stronger, and more competitive, it actually is safer than traditional sports such as soccer, football, baseball, and it has less injury over time in comparison to, you know, pretty much any other sport because right. of the varied nature of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when when done somebody, effectively, it's dangerous. It's great. Yeah. Um, so when somebody talks to you about the injury risk of CrossFit, um, it's not all that real. And usually this is somebody who's, doing the same thing repeatedly, not changing, not listening to their bodies and not dressing baseline level function stuff, such as like sleep, rest days, nutrition, hydration, et cetera. So you have a lot more things in your control than out of your control. I also think that sometimes when we are, you know, you're the competitive type, sometimes trying to jump into the intensity too soon can also be kind of a detrimental um, not, not that, you know, don't be competitive. I think competition is a wonderful thing to have, especially in a CrossFit gym. But I think that sometimes what happens is like you were saying, they don't listen to their body and maybe like, like, for example, how many people have done kipping pull-ups to, to a high volume for the, like ever. And then all of a sudden we have people who are doing kipping and next, you know, their lats getting irritated, their biceps getting irritated. And then they only let that heal for a little bit. And then they go right back and try and kipping again. And it's like right. their lat either isn't strong enough to handle the volume or isn't 
isn't conditioned enough to handle the volume of kipping pull-ups that their gym is maybe doing, which then I'm also going to look at the the coach and be like, well, why are we not maybe shortening or making the repetitions or maybe even the movement pattern uh, to a lesser difficulty so they can build that up. Um, but then I'm going to look at the the athlete first and be like, you know, this is your body. You're, you got to listen to it. You got to, you got to give it, you know, it's downtime and you got to build it in the right way. So, I mean, I think sometimes when people want to rush the movement or like when people are trying to do bar muscle ups and they get the chicken wing because they're just not learning the technical work where to actually be strong at, um, I think sometimes that can be a, a detriment to CrossFit because everyone's like, oh my gosh, I started working out and I have all this pain. My knees bother me. My, my shoulders bother me. I can't reach my arms overhead. Well, it's like you just did 50 pull-ups, you know, in a span of 30 minutes with, you know, deadlifts and maybe kettlebell swings. And now you, you're, you're going to be sore. Like that's going to be a thing. But that that's, that's my soapbox on uh, when people try to build intensity too fast with CrossFit and they're, they're not conditioned to it. And I, I think you're even kind of describing the, big, the biggest flaw is that they don't have any progressive overload built in and that there's no accumulation of volume. So rather than like a, you know, like a graph that's kind of has this subtle rise, mm-hmm. it kind of just looks like peaks and valleys. So like if you look at the uh, hitting like way too many peaks in a row, then like you have a, you know, number of valleys where you have very low volume then you go back to the peaks. Like this is kind of where you have the inherent risk of breakdown. Uh, mm-hmm. So not really having any way to track that because of the varied nature is inherently where all the risk kind of lies in this. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the, it's the reason why you want to keep your accessory work at at least a baseline of keeping your structural integrity. Bingo. Bingo. Um, And this sometimes comes into play with like outsourcing your programming where uh, I think that, and I've already touched on this before, new coaches sometimes have a difficult time of kind of looking at the amount of training they're putting their, their clients and their, their community CrossFit members in. And it shows because of, maybe how many overuse injuries you see, uh, constant irritations, um, the, the nagging, you know, the nagging shoulder pain. I do pull-ups and my, my shoulder hurts me or snatches into the overhead hurt me. It's like you look at the programming and when, or sometimes the, the coaches that never learn where the volume is just constantly way too high, way too high. And even for new members, there's no like discrepancy between new members and seasoned members. And it's like that, I like to be more analytical with that because I like to see, you know, if if I'm sending someone to a gym because it's close to them and they want to go try that, I want to see that this, this member is being taken care of. And the fact that they're not just being thrown to the wolves and being expected to just participate in every class. And there's no like individualization for them because they are new. I mean, I know they have like intro courses and things like that, but I've seen intro courses where it's basically just like the exact same thing as what the class is going to do. And then they throw them into the Metcon with the class. The strength portion might just be different because they've never lifted before. And it's like, oh, sweet Lord, no. Um, but, you know, with our, that, that's kind of my last little spiel. Anything else you wanted to add to that, Dave? Yeah. I mean, they said relative intensity. So the relative is to who you were yesterday. 
don't go compare yourself to somebody who has a 10 year fitness history and they're a freak athlete. It, it, it's not you. So whenever you talk about relative intensity and who to compare yourself and who to compete against, compete against yourself or somebody who's similar. Don't mm-hmm. compare yourself to the Matt Frazier's, the Rich Fronings, the CrossFit Games champions of the world. They have a gift. And mm-hmm. doing more isn't going to yield the same result. Like, you know, this, that person was going to be there regardless of whose programming they did because they have the genetic capacity to do it. Exactly. Exactly. But no, I think that's a that's a great conclusion there for uh, our CrossFit discussion today, Dave. Um, before we let you guys go, though, uh, Dave, why don't you fill him in on uh, Mr. Burrow? Sprints, fifty yard bombs, and he's in practice. <laughs> uh, perfect. Uh, so if you haven't uh, checked that out yet, be sure to go check out our previous episode uh, on the Joe Burrow injury update. Um, but we hope you guys enjoyed today's discussion and we will see you guys in the next episode.